Hi, everybody. This is Emily Trenum, the host of Memphis Metropolis. I'm away from the microphone this week, so we're rebroadcasting one of my favorite episodes. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. The Dillard family of companies, including Dillard Door and Security, Tri-State Glass, and Trace Electric, are proud sponsors of WYXR. For the past 75 years, the Dillard companies have provided products that secure Memphis. From installing the iconic gates at Graceland to the Memphis Tigers Liberty Bowl locker room, Dillard protects what matters to Memphians like you. For more information, visit DillardDoor.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM, based out of the fabulous Crosstown Concourse. I'm the host, Emily Trenum, and this week is the latest in an occasional series that Memphis Metropolis does called Endangered Places. And those are, you know, highlights of structures that are endangered or historic. And I think the last one we did was kind of an update on the Mid-South Coliseum. But this week, we're going to talk about uh, a structure that at the moment is not nearly as well known, but hopefully will be sometime soon. And my guest is Stephanie Wade, who is a real estate developer with her own company, JS Real Estate. And we're going to be talking about the Briggs Business College. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. I really feel honored that uh, you extended the invitation for me. Well, we've, you've been, you've been up, keeping me updated about this project off and on for a couple of years, a couple of times a year. And then, of course, Mark Fleischer from Storyboard is is involved in helping you. And I've seen some updates from him. So it just seemed like, I mean, it's a good fit for Memphis Metropolis anyway, but it seemed like a great time now that things are really starting to move. So, um, so let's just start off by talking about, you know, what is Briggs... Briggs Business College, and where is it? All right, so uh, Griggs, the full name, Griggs Practical uh, Practical Arts and Business College, uh, is located off Vance in what's affectionately known as South City, um, or you can label it as in the Memphis Medical District. It's kind of overlapping both areas, but it's at the corner of Danny Thomas and Vance, uh, is most people have seen it, driven past it, and wondered about it, right? It's, it's on times. a hill, yeah, on a hill, white brick, and it just really stands out and beckons to be remembered. And that's really what I'm trying to accomplish here with the building. Um, so, well, I think I told you when that I just assumed it was a a funeral home at one time. Not that it looks like a funeral home, but there's several. I mean, South Memphis had a whole bunch of African-American-owned funeral homes. There's one on Vance, and there's at least one on a historic one on maybe on Macklemore. And there was a lot at one time. And so I right. guess I just always assumed it was a funeral home, but it, but it wasn't. So, so, no. what, so what 
was the Griggs, I'm going to call it Griggs Business College, even though you <laughs> obviously had a longer name at one time. Yeah, so yeah. what is it? Um, and who founded it? And it's got a kind of an interesting story about the woman who founded it. Oh, yes, it does. Um, I will say this, though. I'm not a historian. <laughs> I, do love, I do love history, uh, learning about it and re- paying respect to my elders. Current and uh, well, we don't need to go into the weeds, <laughs> but just the, the 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 you know just the overview of the history of the building and and the woman who started it. Right. So I have. Um, I mean, it just has such a fascinating history. My goodness, I definitely can't do it justice by talking about everything. But I will say the things I have found out, it was built in 1858, actually. It was a, a residential home for a lawyer, the Gregory's. During the original time. building yes. was 1858. 1858. Okay. Um, on home. that site? Yes, on that site. Like okay. the structure itself. I mean, it, it has had alterations over the years and expanded in size. But the original 1858 structure, the footprint... It's still there. Okay. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I told you fascinating history. Y'all. So you can imagine over the years, the life that has lived inside of those four walls. Right. Um, but I do know. Um, so in 1858 it was a home. It has had many lives um, from what I've been able to uh, uncover in my research that um, it just always was a residential uh, property until it became uh, a, a college, right? Uh, and the college bought the building off Vance in um, 1945. Looking up the records, I had to just uh, kind of reference my notes here to make sure I get the, the years right. But in 1945, the school actually had other locations throughout Memphis. One I've been able to track down is off of Mississippi Boulevard. Unfortunately, it no longer stands, the, the building no longer stands there, but um, they did move into, at least they bought the site in 1945. Now, when it became operational as a school at that location, I'm not sure, but they didn't sell it until 1974. So we know for about 30 years, it was the Griggs Business and Practical Arts College. Well, before we talk more about the building that I'm really interested in, who was Griggs and what was the school about? Right. So the school, um, from what I've been able to uncover, was formed by Emma Griggs, the wife of Sutton Griggs. And they were very prominent in the church and the religious community, originally from Nashville, or yeah, Nashville, they moved to Memphis later in life and um, was very heavily involved in the, the church aspect. But they were, they felt that the church was to serve the community, had a responsibility to the community. And one way Miss Emma Griggs saw her role was in the education field. And so that's when she started classes in their home, really, back in, um, it was 1911 or um, 1911, I think it was. She started teaching classes out of her house. And um, over the years, they kind of expanded the curriculum as they were able to hire teachers and offer more courses. But um, they were just very prominent within the Griggs, that is. And then um, she decided to name the, 
the school after her husband, Sutton Griggs, after he passed. Um, then it became the Griggs uh, Business and Practical Arts College. But before, it had a different name uh, that wasn't Griggs. So they bought the building, and after having moved around the neighborhood some, they bought the building in 1945 and moved the college in there, you said, in the early 1950s. Right. They. I don't know exactly when it became, uh, when they started having classes, but I know they bought it in 1945 and didn't sell into 74. And before that, do you, was it owned by one family or was it a, a series of owners? You may not know. The property records are difficult to to right. research sometimes. Yeah, actually, I have been able to kind of follow over the years. And it stayed, the building, that's why, I think that's a big reason why it's still there and in pretty good condition. It's because it stayed within the Gregory family for 50 years, I believe it was, give or take a few years. Their daughter, after um, Jim Gregory, I believe is his first name, uh, yeah, Jim Gregory, after he passed, then his daughter took over the house and she had it and gave it to her daughter. So it stayed within the Gregory family for about 50 years. And it wasn't until then that it was sold. And it's interesting. I've been able to find ads about how they end up having to sell some of the uh, materials in the house. You, you'll see in the language, uh, lawyer, lawyer book shelving and, and books along with it for a certain price. So that was fun to see. <laughs> So what's, um, so, okay, well, so let's, I want to talk about the inside of the building, but um, how did you, I mean, I've driven by this house a million times, this building a million times, and and honestly didn't, just assumed at some point it would be torn down for redevelopment, sadly, mm. um, and since it looked like a very interesting, but it, it never occurred to me to, to, you know, go up there and check it out and think, personally. So I just, I, I admire that so much that you've done that. But so how did you get, how did you get interested in this building um, to the extent that you wanted to really pursue it? Right. Um, well, I think what helped me to really, because like you said, so many people have seen it and wonder, but never really act on it. Right. And for me, it really came from the emerging developers boot camp that I took with, um, with the Medical District Collaborative, they hosted a small developer uh, boot camp, and they just really helped me to realize that small scale development can really make a change and can be just as beneficial for our city as large scale developments. And that's what got me to thinking about this property and the possibilities of what can be done with it. And it started my journey, as you said, over the years <laughs> during this course in um, 2016. <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah, the, the Medical District Collaborative, actually, I, they, um, I just did a program on their five-year anniversary and that um, boot camp, which I think is kind of morphed into an urban land institute program, is great. Mm -hmm. Really, really great. I've heard nothing but good things about it. So I'm so happy to hear that this is what sort of lit the spark for you in terms of thinking about what projects you could do. And but but you so when you so so tell us a little bit about the process because I think when you got interested in it, there was sort of some bad news first. 
and that you had to work around. <laughs> yes. Oh, my, my, my. Uh, so 2016, remember when I started this wonderful journey? It's all about the journey, not the destination. We have to remember that about the journey. <laughs> um, so uh, 2016, I pretty much started with trying to track down the owners, right, to see if they would be open to selling it to me. Um, some things happened in my life uh, to where I just was not able to continue pursuing the project. So it kind of was placed on hold for a couple of years. And it's not until uh, 2020, I think, or no, 2019, that I kind of, I noticed that it was still there and things in my life, personal things kind of changed to allow me to go back and pursue kind of latent dreams, if you will. Uh, So I, I went back and said, well, you know, now's a good opportunity. I can, I'm all about, uh, my model in life is to do all you can while you can. So uh, I kind of picked the project back up, if you will. And at that time, I learned it was scheduled for demolition for a gas station and service station, you know, the um, the little plazas attached to the gas station. And so that's where um, the journey got really tough. So it was no longer just about trying to find the owner but trying to stop demolition of such a historical and very significant, uh, not just to Memphis, but the Mid-South community. Uh, so that's where the, um, the battle began. <laughs> so did you, I mean, um, I, guess, I guess who owned it? And then obviously someone had been sitting on it for a while. Um, and then had it been sold to a gas station developer or and had already closed and you had to buy it? I don't want to go too much into the weeds, but it's kind of interesting. I remember you telling me about this a couple of years ago, um, that it was scheduled to be torn down for a gas station. And um, I had the same reaction. Um, that would be awful. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that that's what I was told. It was under contract for um, demolition for the gas station. But I think um, just reaching out to contacts, like I, I spoke to you about the property and what the plans were, and then just making community members aware of what they were trying to do with that property. And so um, this is this is all what I'm being told, just kind of in the real estate community, right, from um, those who knew the gas station developer who wanted to purchase the property and those kind of working on the transaction. But it, I've been told they kind of uh, reached out to other developers. Cause you know, with foot homes, there's a lot going on there. So they kind of spoke with the developer for that project. And, you know, they, everyone was just honest, like, Hey, no, we don't want to see another gas station in this neighborhood. There's a map code right around the corner. That property should, there should be something done with it, not just, demolished by gas station. So I think that coupled with uh, there was some legal issues around um, trying to sell it that they pretty much backed out of the deal. So you were able to acquire it from the owner? Yes. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and is that deal closed? Are you the proud owner of the Griggs Business College? Yes, my company. Go to the tax record site. You will see it. We have officially closed December 3rd, 2021. We closed. That's amazing. <laughs> well, congratulations 
on uh, on breaking those breaking down those barriers because <laughs> um, it, there was there's a lot there. So um, so what I want to talk about what your you know plans are. Of course, it's a fantastic location, but I haven't had a chance to go in the building at all. So when you go in, um, I mean, what's the condition like? And then what are the, are, are there, you know, of course, we're on the radio, we can't show pictures, but does it look like a former house that was converted to a school or does it really kind of look a little more institutional now? Um, so what's it like inside? Well, it was... Oh, I, I don't know. Let me think how to put it in words. Uh, there was a lot of uh, debris in the building. Uh, there were two homeless men living in there. And um, luckily, they didn't do too bad of a job as far as um, how they treated the building. Uh, there were just a lot of trash and I just can't begin to, it was a lot of, we cleaned it out. We did clean it all out. Uh, I'll just tell you, I was quoted $6,000 to clean, to clear the inside of the building. So that just shows you just how, that just kind of gives you an idea of how bad it was, but um, very beautiful. There's, uh, it's pretty much been stripped of everything as far as like piping or any kind of uh, details, but very high ceilings, high entryways. Um, there's a basement that I was told was a boiler room once upon a time. Um, let me see what else. The stairwell. Is it two, is it, it's two stories. Yes, yes, two stories. Uh, there's a stairwell that's been covered with drywall, but you can kind of see some of the detail on the side of it. So there's a lot of drywall that we kind of have to take down to really see what's still there um, that we that we have to do has been kind of covered up because it looked like at some point they tried to do renovations, but just stopped in the middle for whatever reason. And how big is that property? It looks like that is a pretty good sized piece of property. Yeah, it's about 4,200 square feet. Okay. Total. Okay. Well, if so let me just, before I ask you my next question, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. And I'm talking to Stephanie Wade and we're talking about the historic Griggs Business College building, which is at the corner of Danny Thomas and Vance, right in the heart of the, really the South City neighborhood. And and Stephanie's company has just acquired it for redevelopment after a long journey. So, so what's your, um, I mean, that's right in the heart of a, you know, a ton of redevelopment. So it's very well located. It's not, I can think of locations where it would be, um, seem like a less attractive development opportunity for people that you might be asking to invest, whether it's public or private. So what are your, um, do you have a vision for the property or are you um, going, do you have kind of a blank slate and you're going to see what you think makes most sense or a combination? Right. It's a community asset. So it's really not about what my plans are, you know, what, what my vision is, what I want to see happen. It's really about what's needed in the area. Um, and that's what we're trying to, uh, to really figure out. Uh, to figure out what's needed for that area. Some things 
that have been discussed is veteran housing, right? Uh, one really cool aspect is when it was a college, they offered uh, scholarships for veterans. There were a lot of veterans who attended the school who fought in the Korean and Vietnam War. Um, so that was kind of tying back to the people the the college served and kind of its new life and the people it was served. So that's something we're exploring. Um, another thing I've heard uh, from the community what's needed in the area is kind of a, um, an event center, right? So for like birthdays or baby showers, things of that sort, there's nowhere really to, it's just lacking commercial space over in that area. Uh, so maybe having some kind of commercial retail on the first level. So we're exploring those options, but really it's based upon what's needed for that area. Well, and there's a lot of youth-serving organizations in that neighborhood. I mean, it's really, again, it's a great location. There's the libraries right there. Just just had, you know, a couple of blocks away. That's just had that really neat facade improvement. And, of course, the NAACP is right there in that area. And as you mentioned earlier, the whole uh, South City redevelopment, a lot of new housing. And I can totally see that they're... Uh, you know, there'd be a need for both of those things for certainly serving veterans, but also, like I said, of event space. So, mm-hmm. so what's the, um, what kind of, uh, and I guess you probably don't know how much all this is going to cost because you don't know how much, you don't know exactly what uh, the use is going to be, which of course will determine the cost, but what kind of um, resources do you anticipate. I mean, there have been a lot of resources gone into that neighborhood through federal grants, but I'm guessing since those grants came in a couple of years ago, probably quite a few of them are committed. So what kind of, re- who will you be asked, who will you be asking generally, who will you be asking to support the project? Right. Um, we're looking at several um, finance, financial opportunities pretty much. Um, we're exploring pretty much everything that possible. So one thing is uh, historic tax credits because of its use as the Griggs Business College. We definitely want to pursue a to place the, the property on the National Register. So that's something we're kind of undertaking to make sure it happens. And then with that comes the historic tax credits. But then also, you know, affordable housing, working with HCD, uh, City of Memphis Housing and Community Development. There's some potential funding options there. The Memphis Medical District Collaborative, uh, they have some potential funding sources. Um, so it's like we're really pulling all of our partners. We're looking at this is going to be a public private partnership It's going to take, you know, the full community to come together to make this happen because it is no easy task. Um, there's a lot to be done, but I feel like it's definitely worthwhile and what, what it, it, it's definitely worth it. I mean, like you said, the location, uh, all the d- development that's currently going on and the plans of for the future for the area. Yeah, I can definitely see taking advantage of the, you know, the the historic status. One of the things is, I'm digressing a little bit, but, you know, I had done a little reading about the building before and 
I had read that the building was not that old. It was from the 1950s, but you're telling me that it was a, a, a there was a building there it was a hundred years before that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um it's very old. <laughs> yes, yes, 1858. Uh, I've been able to find an article about the original owner, the lawyer. His first name escapes me at the moment. I'm sorry. I can follow up with you later. Uh, but about his passing and how his funeral was held at the property. And it lists the address, 492 Vance, as um, as the address where his funeral was held. And that was 1910. And it kind of gives a description of his family and how they bought the house and had lived there for years. So, yes, it, it is much older than 1950. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing is probably a lot of people don't know this because you wouldn't know by driving in that neighborhood. But, you know, Vance and some of those other streets, Vance and Beale, you know, were lined with beautiful mansions. Mm-hmm. And when you drive down that street now, you those blocks that are just east of um, Danny Thomas, I mean, you can for sure see some of the structures are still standing. Most of them are not, sadly. Right. And but um, but that makes sense that there would be, you know, have been a grand home there at one time. And it's a very prominent location. Right. Yeah. The A lot of those homes, the stairs are still there. Right. It's a vacant lot, vacant property, but there's stairs to nowhere. So it just kind of reminds you that there was something significant here. And if you do a little research, like you said, the homes were just grandiose. They were beautiful architecturally. Um, and it's sad that we lost a lot of that. I mean, you had the fires, um, which was a big part of an urban renewal, another piece of it. But um, this one still stands. And I feel that, as I was saying earlier, I I feel like it refuses to be forgotten. And that's why it's still there. It just refuses. It's it's stubbornly, (laughs) stubbornly staying. Well, also, we we didn't mention there's a very cool sign in front that kind of looks like a cross, and um, which I guess was electrified. And I hope you'll get to restore that like they did that at Universal, oh, yeah. the Universal Life Building Self-Tucker, even though it's obviously not Universal Life anymore. They restored the sign and it mm-hmm. just looks awesome. And that's, of course, right down the street. So it would be great if you could. That's my request that you fix <laughs> up the sign. Oh, yes. That's number one. That is a must. It's to restore the sign, the neon light lighting. Uh, yes, I've actually planned to put um, some solar lights out there just as an indication to everyone that there's life here, there's rebirth happening, and just, you know, an anti- anticipation of what's to come. Well, actually, that's a good, um, that reminds me, like, what about, we talked to sort of about the plans, and of course, it sounds like you're, you know, getting a lot of community input, but like, what's your first next step? Is it to like continue cleaning it up and stabilizing it? Is that what you need to do next? Yes. Um, We still, we've been able to clean up the inside pretty much, get it all cleared out. And um, the landscaping, oh my gosh, the rot, the tree rot, oh my goodness. It was just, just years and years, just matted. Clothing was everywhere, bottles and bottles, my goodness. But we, we were able to get it all cleaned up. So that's that was number one. And like you said, properly boarded up, right? Because there's 
some patches on a roof. Surprisingly, the roof is not that bad, which I was so happy to learn. Uh, so patching up the roof, properly boarded up is is the key concern, right? Um, to make sure it's, it's safe from itself, but then others as well. And then um, just trying to get the financing together to, to make the, the redevelopment a reality. So, Stephanie, what, what didn't I ask you that you, um, that you want people to know? I mean, do you need volunteers? And is there, obviously, you want donations. If people want to get more information, how can they do that? What didn't I ask you that I should have? Well, I definitely want to, to let it be known we are working on a documentary regarding the Griggs College in which we're interviewing alumni. So if there is anyone who knows someone who knows someone, because most alums are, you know, up, up in age, <laughs> uh, are, are more golden of age. So if anyone knows anyone who attended the college, we would love to speak with them and kind of record their story about their time as a student at the Griggs College. If they have any artifacts, that would be great, you know, so we can see pictures of what it used to look like and you know, get the the visuals of, of life during that time. So please, it, r- listeners, readers, if you know anyone who attended, please let us know because we definitely want to capture that history in the documentary. Are there, um, are there artifacts or do you have historic photos from what the inside used to look like? What do you have now, if anything? We've been able to find a couple of things. Like I've been... I've interviewed a couple of individuals. They haven't been able to pinpoint any artifacts, um, you know, because it's just so many years ago. And I'm shocked that, <laughs> you know, they would have anything. There's one individual, Carrie Heron. She's amazing. She, I, I love her to death. Uh, she, she interviewed and she remembered having, I think she called it a red folder of her literally diploma and her course list. So a couple of things that she has, she just has to find, right? Uh, So hopefully she can find something. The Withers Gallery, I did contact them. They have a couple of photos, not many, unfortunately. Um, So we're really relying on the community to come forward with whatever they might have related to, to the Griggs College. And is there a website for the project that people like how should people I mean the podcast version of this show of course has show notes so I can put in links or I can put your email address or if people want to get in touch right so we're on social media Facebook it's the Griggs let at the Griggs legacy project all one word and then email would be Griggs legacy project at gmail.com okay and, and you mentioned, so, and I guess you have a team of volunteers that's been working with you. Here and there, yeah. You said, you said <laughs> we, we well, said we've cleaned it out. I can't imagine that you have done all that by yourself. No, um, I have definitely have to, had some help throughout this whole journey is I could not have done it without so many others who've helped me. Uh, my business partner, Jimmy Farmer, just to name a few to, so they know I truly appreciate their help. Oh my gosh, Juan Self at Self Tucker Architects, my mentor, uh, Malcolm Wilson, just so many people have helped me through from the beginning all the way to where we are now to, uh, there's still so much more work to be done. 
um, this is really um, just Memphis, you know, Memphis is home and Memphis is such a unique place. And I'm thankful for all of those who have, have helped me and just who've been so supportive, you know, even starting out, not knowing who the owners were to happen to fight a gas station developer. Everyone thought, you know, Stephanie, okay, only you would take on a project like this, but um, everyone knew the significance of it. Well, it's so worth, it's so worth doing. Mm -hmm. And it's, and even if you don't care anything about historic preservation, that's a very prominent location in a historic neighborhood. And I can't believe that people really would want a gas station at that location. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That would just (laughs) be tragic. A building has been there since 1858, demolished that and put a gas station there. It's just... (laughs) Okay, well, I want a tour, yes. so <laughs> so um, please arrange that at your earliest convenience. Yes, we are going to make that happen. We the are. host of Memphis Metropolis, <laughs> the heavily listened to Memphis Metropolis, needs a tour of this of this structure. So I'm su- I'm super I'm super excited about it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I've been, you've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I've been talking to Stephanie Wade from JS Real Estate, and we've been talking about her, their acquisition of the Griggs Business College building that's at Danny Thomas and Vance Avenue, soon to be repurposed in some interesting way that serves the community, which remains to be seen. But we're going to stay on top of that. And Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, thank you for having me. It's definitely been a pleasure to talk about this project. We want the world to know about this myth. Well, I'll do in a small way. I'm doing my part. You're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. Have you checked out any of WYXR's other shows? You can see the whole program guide on our website at WYXR.org. And while you're there, please consider making a donation. We're a brand new station lifting up everything Memphis, and we need your support. But don't go away. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. Rust College is now accepting applications for the fall 2022 semester. For more information, visit rustcollege.edu or contact admissions at 662-252-8000, extension 4043. Rust College, where tomorrow's leaders are students today. Welcome back to the second half of Memphis Metropolis. You're listening to WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum, the host. And for this part of the show, I'm welcoming back one of our regular commentators, Cole Bradley, who I always call our in-house anthropologist. And maybe it annoys Cole, but in my mind, that's the perspective you bring to the show. So welcome back, Cole. Thanks for having me. And I, I never mind being labeled the in-house anthropologist. I think that is also my strength. Uh, I won't comment on accounting. Uh, I won't comment on zoning, 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 none of that. But I can talk about culture and community all day. Right. Well, that's an important part of the an important part of the program. So the first half of the show, I had Stephanie Wade, who is redeveloping a building 
that she kind of fell in love with, which is the Griggs Business College at the corner of Vans and East Parkway. And I know you've had a chance to listen to that. So I have a couple of things I wanted to ask you about specifically. But before I do that, any particular reflections about it? I know you've been, like everybody, you've been by there a million times. And maybe like me, you thought it was a funeral home. Yeah, I've driven past that a million times. And I, I just off the top of my head, so happy to hear that someone is looking to reinvigorate that space, and particularly given that it is a building with so much history and so much of Memphis's, uh, you know, Black history, African-American history, which a lot of that in that area specifically, as I think you mentioned in that first half, has been lost. The mansions and the architecture, the buildings, all of that, um, a lot of that has been lost, both intentionally and just to the passage of time. Well, you and I, through our work with High Ground, you know, spent you know a decent amount of time in that South City neighborhood, and I called out a couple of the you know assets along there, like the, the library, and a number of those buildings have had facade improvements recently. You know, when the city got its most recent HUD grant, which I think was maybe from the Choice Neighborhoods Program, they invested some of that in facade improvements. And the NAACP building has had just had a much needed um, facade improvement, the, the library, the Cornelia Crenshaw Library, which is right in there. Uh, of course, Advanced Memphis is there. And the the um, a recording studio is there. So I feel like it's a, there's a lot, there's still more to do, but I feel like there's definitely redevelopment going on along the court. Of course, it's just a couple blocks from the FedEx forum on the other side of Danny Thomas. There's a lot of new housing going in there. And I feel like the, um, it's, it's a great time to be doing a project and it's such a prominent corner. For sure. And I like that, you know, a goodly portion of those projects that you just mentioned are for existing assets. They're there to develop what is already there in the neighborhood that has managed to to survive when that neighborhood has changed in the last, you know, let's say 100 years, the shifts that have gone on in that neighborhood. And so I love that it's reinvestment into some of those existing structures and existing businesses and entities that are there. Well, and that neighborhood is really um, on the rebound. I mean, when I first started working in community development, you know, that neighborhood was more commonly known as Peabody Vance. And I think it was one of the, you know, poor zip codes in the city and, I don't know whether that's changed or not, but for sure with the new housing and some of these new improved facilities, I feel like some of these investments, I feel like that things are definitely on the upswing in that area. For sure. And I mean, I think a lot of people are watching that area and reserving judgment of whether or not that development is good or bad in the long, in the long run, right? Particularly for those people who, have lived in the in the neighborhood. Maybe they were residents of foot homes or Cleborn homes and were displaced and are back. Maybe there are other residents who were not in those developments. But um, you know, I'm one of those that's kind of I. We have this conversation a lot, right? Everyone deserves nice things in their neighborhood. Everyone deserves to have wonderful parks and businesses and all of these amenities and things. But 
whether or not the people that are in that community will be able to utilize those down the line is yet to be seen. But ultimately, well, you know, just off its face value, development is good, uh, especially well, in, the development in an area like that. Well, and, um, you know, in this show, we, even though, you know, you come on the show frequently, I feel like a big part of the show is focused on the physical, um, the physical parts of Memphis. And I do feel that in that particular neighborhood, I mean, even the housing that was there was in very poor condition. So the physical condition of the, I got across the street, there's some very nice uh, private in private sector, affordable housing that's gone in. Anyway, I don't want to go off too much on that, that tangent, but, but, but um, I had a couple, I had a couple of observations I wanted to share with you and get your, reaction to. First off, and, and I consider myself a pretty big proponent of historic preservation. And a lot of times, uh, Stephanie really seemed to me to be a real champion for a project that that really was not, it's not an important historic structure. Um, you know, in the greater scheme of things, it's not the Claiborne Temple, and and a lot of times projects avoid the wrecking ball when a champion comes along who was really believes in the project and takes it on. And sometimes it's a long shot. And a couple of other champions I was thinking about was um, was William Townsend who acquired. He not only acquired the Lucienne Theater at East Parkway and and um, Summer Hollywood. Avenue, some well Summer Avenue I think. Well, maybe it's Hollywood. Anyway, he acquired the Lucienne Theater, which was of course an X-rated movie house, and then was boarded up. And I think a lot of people just had no idea how that project would be reimagined. But he also he also has acquired a, um, you know, an Elks Hall or similar downtown on GE Patterson. He's acquired the Lowenstein Mansion and the Medical District. And those are all really, you know, big projects. And they're all projects that someone, you know, who was going to do them exactly? And he's, he is someone I'd put in that champion category. I'm hoping to have him on the show. Uh, someone who really believed in buildings and wanted to save them. And then the third, and the third example I was thinking of, and this is not so much uh, a person as it really was a team, but the, the, you know, the Tennessee brewery, um, I was involved in Memphis Heritage for years, and that was just really there were so many efforts to redevelop that. And I think at, at, at toward the end, um, that people really thought eventually it was going to get torn down because the underlying real estate was so was so valuable. But with a combination of you know pop ups, creative placemaking, you know the Billy Orgel and his team, they saw they 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 became champions for a really important building in Memphis. And I'm rambling, but I just was thinking about champions in general and how they can really make the difference in some of these projects. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because you opened this conversation talking about how, uh, you know, the Griggs building is is not 
exactly a historic location in the grand scheme of things. It's, it, you know, it's not 150 years old and, you know, it wasn't Cleveland. You know, well, it is apparently, it was apparently 150 <laughs> years old, but it's not important historically it, to, as much as some of those other things are. As some of those other places, right? And, but to your point, that's our perception of them now. It takes champions to keep these buildings standing so that 50 years from now, 100 years from now, they are historic, you know, majorly historic places. And so, I mean, I think that Griggs is important and is historic and that 50 years from now may be recognized as even more so or 100 years from now. Right. But not if it gets torn down. So it takes champions to get a building to that place. It took champions keeping, you know, Claiborne Tem- Temple standing as right. long as they have, right? Well, I agree, and I didn't. I didn't mean to diminish the importance of Griggs. I guess my only point is that that some of these buildings, you just, you know, the community would not. I don't think the community, no matter how bad the condition was, I don't think the community would ever have allowed Claiborne Temple to be torn down. It was such an important historic site. And, but this building was about to get torn down. It was going to be a gas station. And, um, and because it's, um, yeah, on the spectrum of really important to Memphis history, it's just, um, and I feel the same way about um, the Lucianne Theater. That could easily that was a neighborhood movie theater. A lot of those have been torn down. It was a and, bowling alley at one point. It was a bowling alley, a regular movie theater, and then it was Paris Theater for a while. And I don't, I didn't mean to say that to to make it sound like you were diminishing Griggs. I don't think that's what you were doing at all. I guess my point is just right now we don't you know, Griggs doesn't seem as important or let's say the Lucian doesn't seem as important as X thing or Y thing or whatever, but given time, given its survival, it could, right. It could be a bigger deal to more people. I think Griggs and all of these other places, they always matter to a few people who have a passion in their heart for these places or these spaces, either one, either the neighborhood or the building, et cetera. But it could matter to more people uh, the longer that it stands, the more it's used and used for new purposes, right? And so the fact that it has a champion could mean that 100 years from now, it has all new memories and associations for people and uh, and really is one of the Memphis's, you know, premier historic places. Well, and that's one of the cool things about the old buildings. And Stephanie and I talked about that is that there's just so there's just stories. There's stories of the families that live there. There's stories of the students. She's collecting stories from students and lifting those up. Um, I agree with you. I hope it'll, it's not a building that's particularly well known. I sent you a really interesting article um, in the Memphis Magazine by Ask the Ask Vance column and kind of about a history of the building. I'm going to post that in the show notes for people who are listening as a podcast. And that's very, that's fascinating. It's really a lot of history about the, the minister and his wife who were sort of at the, the Griggs's. And um, so it's a lot of more history of the people, but it's um, fascinating. And I do want more people to know about that story. And particularly when it comes to higher education for African-Americans back in the day when it was so limited, I think that, you know, it's it has value on that alone. We have so few examples here in in Memphis of higher education 
for Black and African American Memphians when the education was still segregated, in particular, those very early professional schools. And so, yeah, it should, I love the value that it has for that piece of history, right? Agree. So the other thing I wanted to uh, mention to you, which I thought was interesting, was that when I asked Stephanie how she got interested in this, really a passion project, she said that she referenced a program that we've talked about on the show before, which is an emerging developers boot camp. And that was originally run by the Memphis Medical District Collaborative. And that's now part of a a, a larger program that's, I think, jointly managed by Urban Land Institute and the Regents Mart, which is kind of a spinoff of Urban Land Institute. And there's really a whole portfolio of programs that are designed to bring in, you know, younger, uh, a younger and more diverse representation in the real estate market and in the real estate industry. And I just was really excited that she went through that. She doesn't have a real estate background, I don't think. She went through that program and got excited and then saw this project. Yeah, it's great. All power to the people, man. Diversify real estate, diversify ownership. And I don't mean, you know, oh, diverse people of different races and ages and blah, blah. I mean, different people. You know, you don't want the same 10 people owning all of the property. It spread it out, spread the wealth. There's so much more creativity that comes from that. There's so much more um, interest interesting programming and what people think to do with these spaces. I love it. I love it. And I love the, the youth and the passion that can come and be infused into real estate when you get younger, more diverse people who come from a variety of backgrounds. Uh, it's just great. It's great. I love to see it. And I love, I also love that she came through that program. And as a person who, you know, maybe considered a, a novice real estate uh, owner or a, person participating in real estate that she's got such a cool vision and it has kind of picked such a cool space, you know? Well, definitely. And there's, there's other, um, there's other, you know, projects that are coming out of that program. There's um, the medical district collaborative is working to develop some housing on the North side of Poplar. And they're going to be working with, I think several, you know, emerging developers, a collective of emerging minority developers that came out of that program. And um, because I, I think it's, you know, real estate is a, I think it's a difficult industry to break into. And I don't think there's apprenticeships. And it's largely, certainly in Memphis, it's largely, you know, white men. And it's, but the industry has, you know, reckoned with the need to, you know, the need to broaden itself. And this program has been around for a while. This is not just sort of people jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, Memphis has been committed to this program for a while for good reason. And Stephanie, I think, was just is just a great example of that. Yeah, I, you know, I love that targeting Memphians who do not have a real estate background. I think to your point about champions of buildings, uh, champions of spaces, you have the potential for so many new champions because 
Joe Schmo developer who doesn't even live in Memphis and is buying up some properties in South City has no attachment to those properties. But some kid who grew up in South City, who then goes through a program like this, begins to break into the real estate market, has connections with buildings. Oh, man, I remember that place when I was a kid. And I've always wished that I could own that building. And oh, crap, now I can, you know. Well, well, and these small scale projects are perfect sort of starter projects for people. Exactly. Like like you said, a, a, a big development company it's not, it, it may not be interested in a building like the Griggs building unless it's, um, unless you're a William Townsend and it's like I said, a, sort of a passion project. So yeah, right. that's, I thought that was very cool. Okay, Cole. Well, thanks for coming on Memphis Metropolis. And I look forward, I don't know, we've got a lot of really great programs in the hopper for 2022. And I look forward to hearing your perspectives as the year goes along. Yeah. Give me that list. I haven't seen that list yet. I want to pick, like, give me all the choice things. Let me pick my topics before those other contributors get to it. Anyway, it's, it's, it's triple top secret at the moment. Oh, that's all right. I know whatever, whatever the topics are, they're going to be fun and interesting and we're going to have a great time talking about them. Thanks for having me on again. Okay. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye Emily. Bye. The Brooks is open in Overton Park, home to Memphis art collection since 1916. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art holds the largest collection of world art in the region, with more than 10,000 works spanning 5,000 years of art and cultures. Remember, every Wednesday is free and open until 8 p.m. They are a proud sponsor of WYXR. For more information about the museum and their exhibitions, visit brooksmuseum.org. You belong at the Brooks. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.